there, and welcome to this episode of Special Unit 352, or SG-352 for short. My name is Max, and this is my co-host Peyton, and we became fast friends over our mutual love of Star Wars. We love Star Wars so much that we wanted to talk about it all the time, so one day we decided to record it. Today, we're going to be talking about The Book of Boba Fett, Episode 5, The Return of the Mandalorian. Peyton, how are you doing today? I'm doing as well as can be expected, my friend. I uh, just got the booster shot yesterday, and it took a bunch. It it took a bunch of energy out of me. Mm. Um, but hey, I'm here. (laughs) Um, other than that, you know, I've just been working. Publix and Legoland. I don't know whether or not to um think this uh, weather is hot weather or communal weather because it's either cold or rainy both definitely feels like both yeah it does how about you man uh i'm doing okay uh we have uh i got a band gig tonight uh that we've been doubly practicing for because we've added a new band member oh you have uh yeah we have another uh uh female guitarist Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, uh, who is marvelous and wonderful. And, uh, because she's new to our sound, we've been doubling down on making sure that she feels comfy, uh, with us before, you know, we do a paid gig. Right. Cause we don't, cause we want her to stick around cause she's really good. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we don't want her ex- first experience to be, uh, nervous and awkward and then she never comes back. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's why we've, that's why I've been so busy and why we have been delayed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that's, that's, that's a good thing. Um, having a band gig. I'm excited. Uh, we have so much Star Wars news. That oh I don't God. know. I don't know if we'll all be able to talk about it. In case we don't, uh, and in case you don't think we did, uh, go ahead and it's check on, our our Facebook yeah. page. Yeah, because it's all on there. Um, so Max, lay it on me. Um, what kind of news we got? I think it's mostly for the Star Wars Hotel. Uh, a lot of the Star Wars are a lot of the Star Wars Hotel, uh, which I think you know more about than I do. Uh, because my plate has been full of like the eight po- uh, Pokemon, eight Star Wars games that have been talked about, released, or have new footage. Oh yeah, uh, crazy amounts, crazy, crazy amounts of uh, interviews and discussions about the new Star Wars games, including Fallen, the sequel to Fallen Order. Ooh, now how's that going to work out? Like, what's the plot line of that? I don't know. Uh, I know that Fallen Order um, ends pretty, uh, frankly, pretty abruptly. It it uh, it definitely is. Uh, this is the end, and there's no more to it. So mm-hmm. I I don't know where they're going to go from there. Uh, mm-hmm. But I do like the universe they made, and frankly, just it plays so well. There was never mm-hmm. a point in this video game where I'm like, "Oh man, these controls suck!" Like n- not once ever. It mm-hmm. felt so. Every time that I died, it felt like it was my fault, and I earned it. So mm-hmm. I, I I think they did a really good job, yeah. and I look forward to what 
they do next. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is uh, there are more Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, there's another Knights of the Old Republic era game coming out. Other than the remake, um, the remake has already been announced. Uh, the HD remake has already been announced, um, mm-hmm. and a lot of the original uh, actors and actresses are already on board um, with the remake. But this uh, this addition that is not an HD remake of Knights of the Old Republic two, it's a new game set in the era of Revan. Uh, is just that. That's all the information we have right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there is three other companies that Electronic Arts uh, EA has allowed uh, the ability to use uh, the Star Wars rights. So, uh, as far as I'm aware, none of those are Call of Duty knockoffs like mm-hmm. <laughs> Battlefront was. Um, they're all going to be some form of role-playing game, some form of RPG where you get either a lightsaber or a blaster and you level up and you follow, could be a Mandalorian, could be Boba Fett, could be a new character, could be a Jedi or a Sith. We don't, we, we have no idea. Uh, but a total of five or six games have been announced in the past like four days. Mercy. It definitely will. (laughs) Uh, and I just well, pulled up the yeah. Galaxy's Edge. Tell us more about that if you can. Oh boy. So I don't know if Disney decided to release a bunch of this information to stop people from complaining or not. Um, but they definitely dropped us some news here. Um, they've showed us the name tags that the um, cast members will be wearing. They showed us the outfits, which a lot of people... Um, refer to them as uh, hospital scrubs. Hospital uh, meets uh, Star Wars or something like that. <laughs> um, they've showed us the exterior of the transport that they're going to use between the cruiser and Batu, and it is not a bus like they said it was going to be. It's going to be more like a box-shaped vehicle, um, which I understand more that than a bus because you don't need to see the outside. They don't need to see the outside. Right. I guess. Um, of course, people complained about that. But they did drop the entire itinerary. And that's that's a lot of information to go through. And you can look that up on Facebook. But it is confirmed that there's going to be Bespin fireworks. Cool. I don't know much else than that. Um, there's going to be a droid race. You can build a model of the Halcyon. You can explore the ship um, in 15-minute increments. I don't know how you could do that in 15 minutes. Um, Of course, there's lightsaber training. There's um, all the times that you can go and have breakfast or lunch or dinner. They mentioned nothing about the paid upcharge to the captain's table. Um, Not surprising. They did show that there is going to be a cocktail tasting. Ooh. Which I am interested in, but none of the drinks are alcoholic. None of the drinks are alcoholic? No. Then it's not a cocktail party. Then it's just a fruit juice party. That's okay. Just don't call it a cocktail party. (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) Um, But if I I make a horse racing uh, show... 
but only race dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not that it's a bad oral wear show. Just don't advertise it like it's a horse race if right. it's going to be a dog race. <laughs> right, right. Um, but so yeah, I think a lot of this information really um, was released just to stop people from complaining a whole bunch. But it really does look like it's going to be a kids club kind of thing mm-hmm. for six thousand dollars. Mercy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's pretty much um, it in regards to all the news for the hotel. I mean, we could sit here and talk about it for weeks and weeks. Go through Maybe the itinerary bit but, by bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe we'll do a special episode on that later. Um, yeah. If somebody but, emails us about it, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but we have a big episode to get through. Oh, um, boy, we do. <laughs> What oh time boy. did you watch it yesterday? Uh, I watched it in the afternoon uh, mm-hmm. when my parents came to watch Zoe. Mm-hmm. I watched it at 3.42 a.m. on Wednesday morning um, because I thought I wasn't going to have time to do it in between getting some blood work done at 6.30 and catching the bus to work at 8.30. Mm-hmm. Um, especially as I looked at the runtime, and I'm like, oh, 51 minutes. That's a long episode. Well, I ended up being able to watch it twice. Nice. Within hours. Within hours of each other. Uh, good thing, too, because I never pay attention to the episodes beyond the audio description. I mm-hmm. don't look directly I don't look directly at the screen. Um, not that early anyway. <laughs> but oh my god. This this episode. This episode might as well be Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 1. I saw an article that uh, described it as uh, the worst Boba Fett episode is the best Mandalorian episode. Oh, God. <laughs> Sal- Listen, I've read- salty people being salty. I've read some comments yesterday, and one guy said the Mandalorian, like the TV show, was a fluke. What? Yeah, he's a- he's got uh, too much uh, carbonite in the system. Yeah. yeah. He needs a beer and he needs to go sit down with his grandkids is what he needs to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh my goodness. People are, still com- people are still complaining about Boba Fett not being what they think he should be, but a, a raging um, racist slaver. Yeah, I'm really yeah. glad that he's not that character anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, but what did you ha- what was your first impression? My first impression, the ver- when we saw the silver helmet come in and you hear the <laughs> thing come in. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know exactly what this going to be. And mm. I did not. It, it continued to throw curveballs at me. And all of it was a nostalgia time bomb. And a lot of it only mattered to some people. But like, I feel like, okay, I'm going to tangent a little bit. Okay. So the draw towards... Doctor Who, the people that really <laughs> love Doctor Who, get all of the inside jokes. Like, the inside mm-hmm. jokes are for them. So, like, a foot comes down in the foreground, and it's fuzzy, and you can't make out what it is. But the whole fandom goes, oh, God, it's this guy from episode three of season whatever. Oh, my God, it's a thing. But, like, right. if you don't have that insider baseball knowledge of Doctor Who. Then you're you, in the dark. Yeah, you don't, you don't enjoy it as much. I feel like... Even though I knew all of the inside baseball of this episode. Right. There's still some things in there that you were like, oh, okay. Yeah, it was great. Oh, it was so good. Like, so, (laughs) like, 
the, yeah. the references from episode one to episode two oh, to and rebels and rebels and clone wars and yeah but um were you upset that we didn't see any bubble fat no me neither i mean we got phoenix shan at the end which i think is a good enough tease i agree for, but um no, I, I, I loved it. I was having a very hard time not jumping up and down on my bed at three forty four in the morning. I freaked out when I saw BD. I actually squealed. I was so ex- I was so excited. I was nearly squealing when um The Starfighter came out. No, not the Starfighter. I don't know what it was that made me squeal. Probably Oh, the fact man. that I almost thought that the that ring planet was Coruscant at first, but it's not Coruscant. No. I've looked, I think there's a different name for it. But um oh no, dude. This we need we need to get into this. Um what's the tagline of this episode? The tagline of this episode is an unexpected ally emerges. Ooh. Um all right, well, let's get into it. So, we open up in a meatpacking plant, which, to me, I was almost like, ooh, are we going to get Texas Chainsaw Massacre in this? With the because face, that's what it looks like. With some the, the face of the Klaatuinians, it's not far <laughs> off, frankly. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, oh, my they God. Are, they are... They're hideous. They went out of their way to make this. All right, let's make this a walking bulldog, but uglier. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what they're described as in um, Fate of the Jedi, those books, which it was really weird because that was the first time I even heard of a Klaatuanian, um referenced. I didn't know they were I'm, that I'm old. Sure they, I'm sure they popped up in other books that I didn't read because I didn't read all 455,000 books. Um, naturally. I, mean, I read the majority. I'm, naturally. He <laughs> could save others from death, but not himself. <laughs> um. Well, no, it's not possible to learn this power, at least not from the Jedi, but... (laughs) Um, but no. When Mando came walking in through that curtain, I knew we were gonna get something. Something big. (laughs) He's got the the spear, the best dark spear. He's got the dark saber. He's got all his whistling birds and bells and whistles. Um, but he... Goes to the back office and oh, he's looking at this Klaatuin. What's the guy's name? Kaba Bayes. Weird. Um, so Mando says that there is a bounty on him, and Kaba says, No, that's not me. He goes, uh, um, how do you even or, know he's here? And yeah, didn't... I will look out for him if you, if you, uh, you know, if I can. Well, Horace Mendes sits out in the puck and gives that classic line that really freaked me the F out. <laughs> I can bring you in warm, or I can bring you in cold. Exact wording. Do you think this was um, actually edited in? Oh, I think... Uh, Didn't uh, Jordan actually did it? I think he did it, 100%. <laughs> yeah, I think he did too. I mean, but it was the exact... Tone, oh my god, I I can't so even... good, but um, yeah. So the Klaatuinians start gathering around Mando and 
you know, Kabu is like, all right, you know, you, you can't defeat all of us. <laughs> um, <laughs> of course, you know, wrong thing to say to a Mandalorian. Um, a fully decked out Mandalorian with weapons dude, that should not exist together. <laughs> oh you know, boy. I, I, I think this is part of the issue people have. Uh, they've taken Boba Fett's old character and given them to Din Djarin. I love it. I love well like Me too. the the Beskar spear like as we as we will get on in the as we will talk about later uh in the episode isn't supposed to be a thing. No, no it's not. So like um, a Beskar spear uh and the dark saber and all of Boba Fett's old school bell uh, bells and whistles and like oh it's <laughs> he's decked out. So he, he should So he should come out of this unscathed. No, but he didn't though. This dude, he's got some learning to do with the dark saber. I like it. So, uh as he says, uh I will bring you in I can bring you in warm or or I could bring you in cut. We get that much <laughs> and a Klatuinian comes down and bites Din Djarin's hand that's on the gun <laughs> oh on his God. side. I, what's with this? What's with the book of Boba Fett and biting people? Like what, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, like Black Chrysanthemum did it, right? Yeah, bit uh, bit a dude's face. Good. That's metal. <laughs> that's all kinds of metal. Like bite the hand. Is. That's that's if you got both hands like occupied. But like to <laughs> yeah. like grab a dude's head and bite <laughs> his face. Yeah, B- BK is out there. So the Klaatuinian comes down and bites on Din Djarin's hand, uh, but uh, Din Djarin uh, is unfazed. Throws a smackdown on all of them. Oh! And the oh. Klaatuinians fire, at, like shoot at him a bunch. I think he took over sixteen rounds, and <laughs> they all just glance off of his armor. Yeah. Uh, and as he's getting shot at. The Mandalorian unsheathes the dark saber, the dark saber. and he oh. wields it like it weighs 180 pounds. Which that's an interesting bit. I that it's supposed to be like a lightsaber, but it's a different kind of form of it's the lightsaber. H- the hilt is made out of Beskar, right? But and it in inter- they could gain weight and stuff. Yeah, in Star Wars Rebels, they describe the dark saber as being. Not unlike how the mantle of the force is described, in the fact that like mm-hmm. you, it gives as much as it takes, and mm-hmm. you have to give to it. So uh, right. the Mandalor the Mandalorian that travels with the main characters in uh, Star Wars Rebels, has to learn how to control it because initially oh, yeah. it's sm- Ren. It's really small and it's really heavy and it's hard for her to handle. Yeah. Uh, because We're supposed to get her in Ahsoka, I think. Cool. Maybe Mando season three, but we'll see. I digress. Yeah, I digress. So he's swinging this dark saber around as if it's like a, I don't know, like a freaking like a dragon bone. Like he like he can't fully keep it airborne so like he goes from one side of him in the dirt to the other side of him in the dirt and he cuts <laughs> a whole bunch of people down with it but as he is doing this he uh shaves Boom. a chunk off of his left leg oh my god yeah and i don't know how this dude is still standing who boy it it is not a it is not a fle- it is a flesh wound but it is who it's a lot of flesh that was yeah ooh. That was not good. 
Uh, <laughs> do, do you think this dark saber is actually like more dangerous than a regular lightsaber? Sorry, you broke up there. One more time. Uh, the dark saber. Do you think it's uh, more dangerous to handle than a regular lightsaber? I'm going to say yes. Uh, but uh, we'll but we'll see. I think that like it's inherent. It's more difficult for someone that isn't force sensitive to wield a lightsaber in general. But mm-hmm. uh, but also there's something weird about the dark saber. Yeah, I mean, besides the color of the blade. Yeah, and the Beskar hilt, and like, there's something because he's having trouble. Uh, the Mandalorian is having trouble with it, but you know who didn't have trouble with it? Moff Gideon. No. So that begs the question: How did he get a hold? I mean, I know how he got a hold of it technically, but he must have won it. I mean, didn't want it too, but Moff Gideon's a weird. He's a weird factor. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Yeah. So we'll probably learn more about that in season three or something. Push comes to shove. Uh Din Jaren kills everyone in the room, even with a bro even with a, a shaved leg. Uh he slices Baez in half with the dark saber, slicing and through and slicing through the table at the same time. <laughs> Again, yeah. the choreography on this really, really, they did a really good job of making this look like this weight, this weight a ton. He is, yeah. it looks like he is trying to wield a starship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, do you know who uh, directed this episode? I do not off the top of my head, but it I, is Bryce Dallas Howard, and she directed. Sanctuary and Mando season one and the heiress and Mando season two. She knows what's going on. Awesome. Um, so with her directing and John Favreau was writing. I mean, this this is thumbs up the best of the best. So uh one of the, uh, so several Klatuinians gather outside the office as Din Jaren emerges with Baez's head in a bag. Uh there's a couple moments of silence, and Din Jared tells them that their boss is dead, and he is collect. He's here to collect on his bounty. He tells the Cladwinians that he has no trouble with any of them, even though a lot of them brandish weapons. And he explains that there is a pile of New Republic credits in there that he has no right to. He offers them the loot if they pass. The Cladwinians again, after a big pregnant pause, uh, move past him one at a time into the room to go grab the money. And he walks out of uh, the metery uh, <laughs> with a limp. Cut to black with the title, The Return of the Mandalorian. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. They still had the Boba Fett theme music over it, though. Yeah. Um which, you know that's good. Um, all right, so we are at what is the name of this this uh, station? Glavis. Uh, Glavis. A ring. And where is it? At the Ring World of Glavis. Uh, Glavis is uh, orbiting mirrors uh, provide a day and night cycles for those living on the interior of the ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the first time it has ever been mentioned ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, or- 
the orbiting mirrors are not uh, new though. Uh, Coruscant has them. Right. You're right. That's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, primary languages are uh, basic, Hatiz and Mandoa. Mm. Uh, and that's the, the only places that are of interest on this planet are the ones we saw in this episode. <laughs> yeah, there's never no. So it's a it's not necessary it's not necessarily a planet. It's a ring world. So it's just like a it, station. It's a it's a station that is made like one of Saturn's rings around a planet. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, it's it's very sci-fi. I'm I'm digging it. Uh, yeah. And uh, the camera uh, zooms out to show the ring world of Glavis uh, before zooming back in on Din Djarin walking through the streets of the city and uh, with the the head in a bag, you know, as you do. Yeah, oh, just a casual do-do-do-do-do. You know, yeah. and th- this gave me Witcher vibes. I'm digging it. <laughs> and uh, Dinjarin enters a turbo lift uh, with a with a cascadag. Uh, and the uh, I'm probably saying that wrong. Um, no, that's right. Um, the ca- the cascadag uh, is like keeps giving him a look, and they uh, but they don't talk at all the lift then <clears throat> takes din jaren up a hallway which leads him to a meeting room uh, and ishi tib compliments jaren uh for his fast work uh ishi tibs are i didn't get a good look at them um no i've never even is this the first time seeing one uh they they were in the phantom menace Ooh, they were okay. star wars battlefront too um, but they all look like side characters. Uh, there was right. Ezra's mm-hmm. Gamble, uh, Star Wars Battlefront, Princess Leia 2, uh, a lot of books and a lot of comic books, but this is the first time that, we have a, that we've had a speaking role for this species. Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, I'm all here for it. They're sentient, humanoid, amphibians from the, uh, from the planet Tiburin. They have green skin, large eyes that, that extend from angular stalks, on either side of their skull, and a beak-like mouth. Mm. Uh, some were seen working for Jabba the Hutt, while others fought for the Alliance to restore the Republic. Mm. So they've been around. We just haven't, yes, they have. we just haven't heard them talk. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, this Ishi Tib compliments Jaren for his fast work. Uh, Jaren uh, demands his reward. Uh, and the information that he promised, and the issue Tib is trying to be cool and glib about it, and is like, "Why are you rushing off to tell business? Why about you have a seat and drink with us?" And it sounds exactly like Griff Carga. Yeah, in the beginning there. And uh, then Jaren insists on getting straight to business. Uh, then Jaren asks where uh, where is the closest shaft to the substrata. The issue tip insists that the that Jaren sit and feast Have with them, drink. or he will reveal nothing. The Mandalorian replies that he can keep his reward, adding that there is a bounty on buys, uh, buys. He warns that if he doesn't give him the information, someone else will. The issue tip, uh, Teeb, uh, I don't know how to say it correctly, um, relents and tells Jaren to head down 
to Colzock Valley uh, by the heat vent towers. Mm. Uh, Jaren sighs and prepares to leave. Uh, Ishitib uh, urges uh, Jaren to sit because there's another. He has another job for him, and Jaren turns down his offer, telling him to put uh, put the brain the head on ice. <laughs> he walks de- He walks back to the alley and takes a ride down the turbo lift. He turns. He turns to his burnt left leg. Uh, Jaren walks out of the lift down a hallway. He walks under a railway bridge. Uh, and he turns on his scanner, and through his scanner, he is able to see several mythosaur markings leading him down a path uh, that we can't see yet. Right. As he follows the mythosaur markings, uh, he finds a hatch, which leads down a stairwell beneath Glavis. Following the trail, he encounters the armorer at the end of it. Which, let me pause you there, Max. Because I mem- did I tell you that we were going to see the armor again? You did, you did, and I did not yes. believe you. You did not believe me. <laughs> That's two beers I owe you for the uh, for, for those of us playing the home game. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, who tells the other member uh, of the tribe to tend to him? Uh, Paz Vizla. Important distinction. Because uh, Vizsla's an important name, tends to Jaren's leg injury, saying that he yep. did not know if he would see him again. Uh, Jaren thanks Vizsla and, uh, for saving him on Navarro as he shudders in pain. Jaren apologizes for the tribe's sacrifice, and Vizsla responds that there are only three of them left. Vizsla applies uh, back to spray to Din Jaren's wounds and remarks that they will put him back to work soon enough. The armorer, not facing him, uh, asks to see the weapon that caused such a wound. Jaren reveals to them the Darksaber, and Vizsla takes a long, hard look at it. Per her command, Vizsla <laughs> brings the weapon to the Armorer. Alluding to the ancientness of the blade, the Armorer mocks the Empire, the, Gal- the Galactic Empire's measly 30-year existence in comparison to the Mandalorian's 10,000. 10,000, yeah. <laughs> the Armorer asks if he knows of the Darksaber and its, ex- its significance. He recalls its name, and that whoever wields it can lead all of Mandalore. The armorer clarifies that the Darksaber must be won by creed in battle. The armorer tells of a legend where one warrior is to defeat twenty, thereby bringing the multitudes to fall before it. However, she warns if the saber is not won in combat and or falls into the hands of the undeserving, the Darksaber will become a curse unto the nation, Mandalore and its that Mandalore will be laid to waste and its people will be scattered to the four winds. Mm-hmm. Jaren rises to his feet with difficulty and states that the hilt is of a quality of Beskar that he has never seen before. The armorer explains that the Darksaber was forged over a millennia ago by the Mandalore Tar Vizsla. He explains that Tar was uh, both Mandalorian and Jedi, and partially, Tar is Tar Vizsla is the reason why Mandalorians, uh, back when they were plentiful, uh, used to kill uh, Force-sensitive uh, children, Mandalorian children, before they were fully mm-hmm. Mandalorian. Um, because B- Tar Vizsla, when he came, he cleaned house. It was it just wasn't fair 
frankly. It was it just wasn't <laughs> fair at all. So uh when Jaron What do you mean he cleaned the house? Uh he when he took over uh when he took over Mandalore by force, mm-hmm. uh and claimed the mantle for himself by creed. Uh, he uh, was not a very nice or happy ruler, um, and no one could oppose him. Even in his old age, without his armor, they didn't know at the time, they didn't know how to fight Jedi at the era of Tar Vizsla. And so he went a little dark side and, mm-hmm. like, to, in order to preserve his role as Mandalore, Lord of all Mandalorians. So he killed a lot of Mandalorians in cold blood because they st- they tried to take the mantle from him and he wouldn't, and he wouldn't budge. Right. Uh, they deemed the Force too powerful uh, and too different from what the creeds uh, of Mandalorians turned out to be. Uh, as we talk about uh, uh, in a little bit, the Jedi and the Jedi c- uh, code and the Mandalorian creed are almost diegetically opposed. Mm-hmm. So, uh, when Jaren asks, uh, when Darren says that he has met a Jedi, the armor responds that he has then completed his quest. She invites him to join their coven in order to rebuild. They all state this is the way. Jaren and Vizsla assemble the smelter. When Vizsla asks how he obtained the Darksaber, Jaren replies that he defeated Moff Gideon. Uh, Vizsla asks if he killed him. Jaren says that he spared Gideon, who is sent off to the New Republic for interrogation. Jaren says that Gideon will face justice for his crimes, and uh, Vizsla says that death would have been a fitting punishment for his atrocities. True. The, the armorer agrees, saying that the blood of millions of Mandalorians are on is on his hands. Question. Yes. There were not millions of Mandalorians in hiding. I no. I would I will give the fact that Moff Gideon is the reason why everyone in their little coven and season one of The Mandalorian is dead. I, I will give them that. The armorer says that literally the blood of millions of Mandalorians are on his <clears throat> hands. I think she's referring to the Night of a Thousand Tears. Was he in charge of that? I think so. Oh my god. Maybe that's I, why he I knew about the Darksaber. Know, I don't know for certain, but he mentioned it to when he was giving out that monologue in season one. He said Night of a Thousand Tears. And he was the Imperial officer in charge of I think that sector. I may be wrong. Ooh. We might need to look this up. Uh, the armorer replies that we will... Uh, Jaren says that Gideon will be executed for his crimes by a new Republic tribunal. The Which ar- is interesting, because I don't know if that's actually going to be true. I don't know either. The armorer replies well, that we will see. Yeah. According to what I've read, Mon um, Mothma did away with the execution stuff. She then talks about the songs of the past, prophesying of the rise of the Mythosaur to herald a new age of Mandalore. <laughs> now, uh, for those of you playing the home game, the Mythosaur is one of the symbols that is on Boba Fett's armor and has been from the beginning. You mean like from the original trilogy? Yeah. 
So it's kind of retrofitting uh, his armor and what what they just put on his armor in the movies because it was cool looking into what is now a big plot point. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't sound like the armorer recognizes Boba Fett as Mandalorian at all. Uh, huh. Well, she wouldn't. She wouldn't because he takes his head, he, his helmet off a lot. But more than that, Jesus. I don't think that she knows that he, that he <laughs> exists. Like uh, she doesn't care. Same thing with uh, 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 what uh, what's her name? Bo-Katan. B- uh, Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan could have cared less about Boba Fett. Like, yeah. d- didn't care about his significance. He's like, nope, he's a clone. He's not important. And I think that, like, that's a big... That's going to be a big point when the Book of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian merge. And we get Boba Fett as Mandal- as Mandalorian. As the Mandalore. That's what I'm thinking. That's how it works. Are you thinking that Boba and uh, Din are going to fight? I think that I think that Din would offer it willingly. True. I think, uh, and I think that he would. I think that they would fight, and that uh, in in order that Din Jaren would uh, would be able to offer up the dark saber. To Boba, mm-hmm. so Boba gets the right, becomes the rightful uh, bearer of the throne, but like right. that uh, heir to the throne. But like mm-hmm. that's how it was in the comics. In the comics, he was man, yes. he was Mandalore. Correct. Um, so I'm going to be interested in seeing what this happens and whether or not Din Djarin accepts the role as Mandalore and then comes to the aid of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. That's also a thing that could happen, right? Uh, anyway, she opens up a cu- the armor opens up a cupboard and which leads to a cabinet containing several Beskar sticks and weapons and tools to smelt things. The mm-hmm. armorer asks Jaren how he obtained the Beskar spear. Jaren explains that he obtained it as a gift from the Jedi and says he used it to defeat Moff Gideon. The armorer says that the Beskar spear can pierce Beskar armor and that its mere existence put the Mandalorians at risk. She says that Mandalorian steel is meant for armor rather than weapons. And Jaren, not missing a beat, says, then forge it into armor. Doesn't question her, doesn't ask why that's a thing, just says, then f- do do what you are going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, she picks up the spear and says that the Darksaber is a more noble weapon for Jaren to wield anyway. She sticks the tip of the spear into the smelter and it starts glowing red hot. And as this is happening, Jaren uh, asks if she is familiar with Bo-Katan Kreese. The armorer pauses and does not look up, uh, does not make eye contact with uh, Din Jaren as she says, Kreese is a cautionary tale um, because... She wanted to rule Mandalore based purely on blood and the Darksaber. The armorer points out that it was gifted to her and not won by Creed. Creed was born of a mighty house, but lost sight of its way. Mm -hmm. Lost sight of the way. The armorer says that her rule ended in tragedy, stating that Creed lost her way while the Mandalorian people lost their homeworld. Mm 
she continues to say that it had their sect not been cloistered on the moon of Concordia, they would not have survived the Great Purge. Concordia is a moon of the planet Mandalore, uh, governed by Prey Vizsla. You mean like the same Prey Vizsla from this? Yeah. The huh. Uh, well, his, uh, his elders, his blood, oh. uh, the death watch, which was in fact led by Vizsla used the abandoned mines on Concordia as secret hideouts. So that, so the watch is death watch. Mm-hmm. It is sub- completely solidified. Had they not been death watch and hiding around waiting to strike back at Man- at Mandalore, they would not have survived the great purge. Uh, we get, flashbacks. We, we get a flashback of TIE fighters and SA bombers uh, as they bomb the cities of Mandalore with atomic weapons. Uh, the armor says that those born of Mandalore strayed from the path. Eventually, the Imperial interlopers destroyed all that they knew and loved in the Night of a Thousand Tears. TIE bombers bomb Sundari, causing an atomic explosion and firestorm. Uh... KX series security droids like K2SO and mm-hmm. Viper probe droids like from The Empire Strikes Back scour yep. the ruins for survivors in slow-mo and shoot random people like it's the Terminator. <laughs> That's how I felt when I was watching it. The armorer says that only those who walked the way escaped the curse prophesied in the creed. Though their numbers were scattered to the winds, she says that their adherence to the way has preserved their legacy for generations until they can return to their home world. When the armorer asks what she should forge, Jaren suggests something for a foundling. The armorer replies, this is the way. Jaren then adds he wants the Beskar forged into something for Grogu. The armorer replies that Grogu is no longer in his care as, and is back with his kind. Jaren replies that he wants to see him and make sure that he is safe. The armorer says that the Jedi must forego all attachment in order to master the ways of the Force. Jaren replies that the Jedi Code is opposite of their creed, which emphasizes loyalty and solidarity. This is one of the few times in this exchange where the armorer looks up and makes what I assume to be eye contact. They're wearing helmets. I don't care. I can't tell. But looks right. over at Din Jaren and says, uh, this is the way. And it's it's such a good rebuttal because uh, what what the armorer is saying there is that like we don't like he isn't our concern anymore, and uh, he and her reasoning was he's not a concern because Jedi don't have concerns, right? And Dinjarin just says no, that's not the that's not our creed. That's not our code. That's not how we roll. We roll with loyalty and solidarity. And she just looks up at him and goes, Damn, you right. <laughs> True. There's something weird going on with this armor. And we can get into this a bit later, but... She's definitely a part of OG Death Watch. So, like... Down her own agenda, I think. I think... I think you're right. And I also think that I, I think that it's not a bad agenda. Are you sure? I'm not. I'm not. 
But uh, he- hear me out. If it was a bad agenda, if it wasn't, if she fully didn't believe, if if she was using this as a ploy for power like Darth Maul used Death Watch, <laughs> when in this next scene where Jaren admits to taking his helmet off, she would have probably killed him for being an apostate. <laughs> she doesn't. She tells him how to cure himself. How to like atone? And Underneath the mines of Mandalore in the living water or something. Well, this was after um, he and uh, then uh, Prize Bizler go at it, right? Which, but like she, was, oh she, God. she not only spares him, but she tells him how to atone and lets him leave with the dark saber. Mm-hmm. She's proven in this scene that we're just about to watch as the armorer is training him to fight. With the dark saber, she could kick his ass six ways to Sunday. She can't. Like it's not even. It's not funny, and it's not fair, and it's 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 just sad. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jaren is wielding the dark saber. Jaren jumps off the platform, prompting the armorer to to warn that he is fighting fighting the blade. Yeah. Jaren resurfaces and says that the dark saber is getting heavier each with each swing. The armorer reasons that this is because he is fighting against it. She says that uh, he should be fighting his opponent and tells Jaren to stand up. Jaren rises to his feet and continues parrying, and that's form one. Of lightsaber combat. That is exactly right. Right shoulder, Mm -hmm. left shoulder, right leg, left leg. Parry, Mm -hmm. parry, parry, parry. Right shoulder, left shoulder, right leg, left leg. That's It's what they teach you at... uh, Start used to teach you at Star Wars weekends. Now they just do that show all the time. But mm, I haven't seen it come back yet. Oh but, yeah, so, the, yeah. Well, because of the the Rona. Well, it's it it should be coming and coming back soon, or at least in some form. But I don't know when. So uh, she's teaching him form one. Yep. And she says that. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I'm moving through my notes. Um, <laughs> Uh, Din Jaren rises to his feet and continues to parry the armorer who knocks his hel- who knocks on his helmet, and she fights back with her tools the whole time. Uh, gaining the upper hand, the armorer tells Jaren that he is too weak to fight against the dark saber and cautions him not to fight against it. She tells him that he cannot control it with his strength. Jaren wants to try again, but the armorer warns that persistence without insight will lead to the same outcome. She mm-hmm. warns that his body is not. His body is strong, but that his mind is distracted. Jaren says, no, nah, man, I'm totally focused. And the armor says, the blade says otherwise. Sit down. <laughs> I added that last part. That's how it feels. <laughs> yeah. Your teacher told you something. Take a seat, young Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Skywalker, the fact that Den needs to practice more with handling this blade do you think we're going to get some sort of training between Din and Luke? Or I some Jedi? I don't know. It doesn't have to be Luke, but if, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get there at the end. We'll it, get there. I don't know what it would mean to Ahsoka if they meet up again and they have to fight. Uh, they have to fight someone else, and so they're back to back, and he pulls out the Darksaber. I don't know what that would do to her. 
That's interesting. Because you know he's not going to admit to having it willingly to her. Mm -hmm. He's going to keep everything close to his chest. So if they get... uh, If they get... Why are we focusing on Ahsoka and not Luke? uh, Because Luke is... Luke is off with... uh, Grogu. Luke is off with Grogu. Correct. But that doesn't mean that Din won't meet up with Luke again. That's fair. And we'll, we'll get to that at the end of this episode, because you and I are probably going to have a debate on this. So, uh... Okay. Uh, Jaren thinks that the, bla- the blade belongs to someone else. Uh, a sentiment shared by Vizsla, who says that the sword was forged by his ancestor, the founder <laughs> of House Vizsla. Jaren says that uh, it now belongs to him. Vizsla replies that Jaren won it in combat. Vizsla vows to win the Darksaber from Jaren in combat as well. Uh, the armor asks Jaren if he agrees to the duel. He does. The two men face each other and put aside, put down their jetpacks. Jaren unseize the, unsheathes the Darksaber, and Vizsla wields a dagger and an energy shield. I like that tiny buckler energy shield. I like that That's a cool. lot. Yeah. Uh, Vizsla attacks Jaren first, bashing him with his weapons. There's a fight scene. Uh, and uh, despite... Uh, so uh, it goes back and forth pretty well. It's very, it's really close. It's a lot of knife fighting, frankly, mm-hmm. uh, because Jaren is so bad at wielding the sword. Um, uh, Jaren fights back and destroys Vizsla's dagger. Despite losing his weapon, Vizsla is able to stand his ground and throws Jaren off the edge. He then hurls Jaren against a wall and grabs the uh, sword. Yeah. And says that the fate has brought this blade back to back to his clan, and he vows to end Jaren. But the Mandalorian is able to dodge his bigger opponent and get a viper blade in him. Yep, his little knife that he's had from the beginning, from like episode one of the Mandalorian, he pulls out of his boot and continues to do like leg damage to take this big old Vizsla boy down. <laughs> and when when he does. Uh, Jaren gains the upper hand and holds and holds the vibro blade at Vizsla's throat. The armorer orders an end to the duel. She asks Vizsla if he has ever removed his helmet. Vizsla confirms that he has never removed his helmet. Vizsla asks uh, if his helmet has ever been removed by others. Uh, Vizsla again says no, and she replies, this is the way. She then asks Jaren if he has ever removed his helmet. Jaren is silent, prompting the armorer to state that by creed he must vow. Jaren releases Vizsla, but before confirming that he has removed his helmet. The armorer responds that means he is no longer Mandalorian. Why would she even ask this question after they so fight? That was my initial question as well, but what is happening is she is seeing a clear, fair fight. Now, she is going through all the bureaucracy of a cult uh, of, have you been, have you done everything that we ask you to do? Because right. what you, uh, check mark, you beat someone in battle. Done. 
Next check mark. Have you hold to you? Have you held to your creed? If you check both of those check marks, he's Mandalore. That's it. Mm-hmm. So she's like, "Is he the chosen? Is he this chosen one? Is he the one?" Mm-hmm. And so they go through like, "Have you been holding? Like, have you been doing your daily prayers? How have you <laughs> have you been reading your Bible? Have you been yeah. going to prayer meetings?" And he's like, "Have you drunk coffee three times a day?" Yeah. Um. Uh. And. Jaren begs for forgiveness and asks how he can atone. Uh, Vizsla tells him to leave, calling him an apostate. Uh, according to Creed, only uh, one could only be redeemed in the living waters beneath the mines of Mandalore. Jaren replies that all of the mines have been destroyed. Uh, you know, with all the nuclear weapons and such. The armor right. replies, this is the way. Jaren departs with the Darksaber in hand. And Grogu's necklace. Yeah. Which? What do you think this is? Do you think this is a helmet, or do you think this is a full suit of armor? Oh, it's a it's chainmail. I don't know how much chainmail it is, but it is chain links. It's it's chainmail. Mm. So it's sort of like the Mithril coat from Lord of the Rings. Yes. Ooh. Yes, sir. So, uh, actually, suit in real life, super freaking handy. Uh, because it's more flexible than full plate, um, and can still stop piercing weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, my nerd was coming out. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> Jaren departs with the dark saber and the gift. He exits through the hatch. He came earlier and walks alone, uh, on the way to the spaceport. When he gets to the space, when he gets to the spaceport, uh, we hear that it is a non-stop flight to Tatooine, and we look, and the ship is the exact same thing that the Pikes were riding in on. Ooh. That's so, interesting, because my audio description did not tell me that. Yeah, it's just a generic, it's not a Pike ship, it's just literally... It's just a Starliner? Yeah, it's just a Starliner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and RX series pilot droid tells Jaren... Uh, that no weapons are uh, permitted aboard the flight. Jaren replies that he is Mandalorian and that weapons are part of his religion. The droid responds that weapons are not allowed on commercial flights. If you would like to speak with my supervisor, he he could book you on tomorrow's flight. And he hands uh, Jaren uh, like a a luggage tag, and he goes, "All right." And he sticks it on a box, and he puts a blaster pistol, the whistling birds, the bandoliers, the pliers, and even the dark saber uh, in a luggage bag. And he points Dude, at the. Dro- I wouldn't have done that. And he I wouldn't po- have put the dark saber in there. He would not. I would not have put the dark saber in there. No one knows what no. that is. It's a one of a kind thing. He warns the True. droid that he knows everything inside that before climbing aboard the gangplank. So did he keep the jetpack on? Yeah. Okay. Huh. But that's considered a weapon, isn't it? Uh, I don't know if his has a rocket launcher on it like Boba Fett uh, says. Yeah. The passenger liner departs into space. Din Jaren rests in the passenger lounge, and an astromech droid whistles past. A Rodian child in the front, the seat in front of him, waves at him, but the child's mother tells her son to leave him alone. Jaren looks at the cloth containing Grogu's uh, present. The passenger liner lands in most likely spaceport on the planet Tatooine. We see him come out, and uh, and it is the exact same place that we saw the Pikes exit 
as well. This is the exact wow. same drop-off point. So uh, they didn't show any pikes in the background, but mm-hmm. I do I do think they were kind they were trying to tell you where this is chronologically. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is about where we're at, uh, like slightly in before Boba- where we're, where we're at in Boba Fett. Right. Okay. Uh, Jaren retrieves his check-in luggage, which contains all of his weapons intact. Uh, and the end, the next chapter is the end one fighter. But this scene opens and Pelamato's hangar, uh, and a womp rat grabs, uh, Pelamato's BD unit. BD! Yeah. Ah! Okay, so I was confused. I thought it was a BB unit. No, no. it's a BD unit? BD. Uh, okay. Uh, I forgot uh, the alpha code for B and D, um, mm-hmm. but I could tell you without a shadow of a doubt, this is the same robot that you get in uh, the in Star Wars: Fallen Order mm-hmm. that I thought was one of a kind, right? Uh, because uh, the main character is a mechanic, and he didn't recognize what kind of unit it was. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the fact that there's another one makes me really happy. Uh, the other thing, that this is the first time that we have seen anything from Star Wars Fallen Order in a TV in like show. A, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, this is a That's big deal. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so, Pelion or droids uh, are, are doing their best to, to pursue the Womp Rat. Uh, the Womp Rat gets her, and Jaren shoots the creature dead. Uh, the BD emerges. BD emerges from hiding while Pelly introduces Mando to her droids. She asks if the Mandalorian is here to slay a dragon again, and he <laughs> replies that he received her message that she has found a replacement uh, for the Razor Crest. And she goes, "What? Who? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, totally, totally. I have a ship. Uh, yeah, that's exactly. It is going to replace the Razor Crest, and." When she asks about, uh, she asks if he has cash, and he confirms. She, uh, she counts the money and tells the droids to make themselves useful. When Pelly asks about Grogu, uh, Jaren replies that he returned him to his own kind. <laughs> she grumbles at this, saying that she could have made money uh, from that thing by opening a petting zoo. <laughs> <laughs> She leads Jaren into a hangar, and she pulls the tarp off of the thing to reveal a modified... Modified is a... in big quotation marks here. uh, An N1 starfighter. A Nabooian starfighter. Question for you. When you saw this, did you think this might be Anakin's? I mean, there's no way to tell. There's no way to tell because there's not much of it left. If you would have told... If you would have told me that this was a uh, a Honda Civic, I would have believed you. There is mm-hmm. not a lot left to this bad boy. Mm-mm. Uh, so, Sharon asks where the Razor Crest is, prompting Pelly to clarify that she never said she had a Razor Crest, but rather a replacement for the Razor Crest. Jaren's disappointed with the condition of the ship and tries to walk away. Pelly tells him that this is an N1 starfighter, handmade for the Royal Nabooian Guard and commissioned personally by the Queen of Naboo. Jaren thinks that the ship is a piece of junk. Mm. When Jaren asks for his money back, Pelly says, no skin off my dip swap. Uh, 
She tells the droids to bring Jaren his money. While waiting, Peli tell, tells Jaren uh, about the ship. She says that it was still working. She was still working on the ship when Jaren arrived, adding uh, that it has a story. She discovered it. She discovers a nest of scurriers. Uh, Peli tells Jaren about the difficult, the difficulty she has had in sourcing parts for a ship made before the Galactic Republic. She offers to incorporate custom modifications that will make the starship faster uh, than a father. Um, the best thing that she says about it is that uh, she it was made before the Empire, so it's off the grid. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also can jump into hyperspace without a docking ring, which is a thing that Jedi starfighters could not do. No. So what could back then? Anything that's bigger than a starfighter? It, uh, it's smaller than a Jedi starfighter. Right, but anything that was bigger than a Jedi starfighter could go into hyperspace without a docking ring? I think so. Huh. Well, you know, even TIE fighters never had hyperspace capability. That's except true. For, uh, except for Darth Vader's. Yeah. Uh, Pelly convinces Jaren uh, to let her put the ship together before he makes a decision to cancel the purchase. So they do... Uh, uh, so we get a whole montage. Oh no, before that, uh, the Jawas show up and they bring a part of the technology that is uh, a made-up word, and they're like, oh, wow, uh, how did he, uh, How did you get this part? And she's like, yeah, uh, the Jawas have a don't-ask-don't-tell policy. In return, she lets them pick through parts of her dumpster. Um, Peli introduces Jaren to her Jawa associates. Jaren asks uh, if he gives them a list of parts, they could scrounge it, scrounge for it. Peli converses with Jawas in Jawaese, which is the first time we've ever seen anyone do this. <laughs> yeah. And she says that she dated one and that they're they're really hairy. Very furry. Yeah. <laughs> she tells Jaren uh, to make a wish list and the Jawas will see what's available. Jaren replies that he is looking uh, for mainly bolt-on aftermarket speed mods. Since the starship is hand-built, he reasons that they will need a vintage hyperware that can fit into the anti this antique ship. She talks to the Jawas a bit, and then Peli says not to worry about it. Uh, and... Uh, and... Oh my goodness. One what moment. was that? That is my landlord for some reason weird um so uh we uh we get a montage of them fixing yeah. up the the ship and then we uh the silver n1 fighter leaves the hangar the pit droids drive out into the open, and Peli is impressed with their workmanship. When Jaren asks what happened to the astromech socket, Peli replies that she removed it since she was aware of his earlier aversion for droids. <laughs> While Peli reprimands the droids for their foul language, Jaren inspects the N1 fighter and says that the, the ship is ready. Peli agrees and allows Jaren to start, uh, start her up. 
he climbs in the cockpit and attempts to fire up the ship. The first attempt falters, but she says, give it more juice. And Jaren does. And it's the sound from episode one. It's yeah. A, uh, Jaren takes the N1 fighter into the air. And he engages the ship's forward drive and flies over most icily at a decent pace. While Jaren flies, Pelly tells him that he is using he's used to flying a gunship, but treat her treat the new ship like a starfighter. So he says, Alright, I'll, I'll open her up and accelerates and just goes super freaking fast. Yeah. And goes <laughs> through uh, Bacon's Canyon too. Yeah. Pelly tells him uh, to point it to point his navigational disposition between the Tatooine's twin suns, which would lead him to Beggar's Canyon. Jared also tests the ship's handling, uh, which he likens to a rail speeder. Uh, after traveling through Beggar's Canyon, uh, which you see, there's a ramp from Episode One that Anakin yeah, my busted. Brother pointed it out to me because um, I didn't notice it. My audio description didn't tell me. Yeah, the oh, de- the debris from where Anakin, as a child, destroyed, uh, uh, like a uh, a fence that uh, was obstructing a ramp that wasn't finished, uh, mm-hmm. is still laying there to this day. Was that from his actual Bunta Eve race, or was that from a different yes. race? That was okay. The- that was from the Bunta Bunta Eve classic. Jaren takes the ship into space and he flies uh beside the space liner and the Rodian child he encountered earlier notices the ship and jaren gives him a little nod and flies circles around the space liner super freaking fast before going back to tatooine he is soon intercepted by two new republic x-wing starfighters the pilot same two yeah we've seen trapper wolf and I don't remember who the other guy was. The pilot Reed asks Jaren to run his beacon for him. Jaren asks if he was doing anything wrong. Uh, Reed replies that he is not allowed to fly that fast near a commercial ship and that he is also operating without a beacon. He tells Jaren that he needs him to run one for them. Uh, Jaren apologizes and transmits his beacon. Reed observes that his engine model doesn't match his power drive. Jaren replies that he just built the ship and was taking her for a test flight. He says that he hasn't been able to update the registration, and uh, and he is he offers to return to most Eisley to get it fixed. Reed, Reed tells him to relinquish his flight controls for remote control access. The second New Republic pilot, Carson Tev, uh, Tiva, tells Reed to cancel that order since they oh, can so let. This is not. These are not the same two that we've seen. It is Carson Teva. It's uh, but the, not Reed is a new guy. Okay, so no Trapper Wolf. Yeah, no Trapper Wolf. Trapper Wolf. Uh, okay. So Reed is like the young blood, and Carson Teva Tiva. I don't know mm-hmm. how to say his last name. Is the mm-hmm. is the old Asian American looking man? <laughs> uh, he's, he says cancel that order that since they can let Jaren go with a warning this time. Jaren thanks Tiva and says that he will take care of the matter. Tiva notices that his voice is familiar and asks if he used to fly a Razor Crest. Sharon replies, "You, I think you've got the wrong guy. Tiva responds that that Razor Crest surfaced on a transponder log on Navarro in an incident re- involving Imperial remnants. Yeah. Tiva says that he is connecting some dots and asks Sharon if he minds answering a few questions. Jaren instead uh, hits his sublight thrusters 
and blasts his way around the <sighs> planet of Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Reed asks, how did Jaren jump without powering up his hyperdrives? Tiva points out that Jaren was using his sublight thrusters. Since Reed can't detect Jaren on their sensors, Tiva asks if they should let Jaren go to avoid filing reports all day. Uh, I love this exchange. I thought it was Me really too. fun. But like we all like we have it like a D or an E or an F plot of the Republic putting together pieces following like all of this has happened. All of the Mandalorian happened without the Republic knowing. True. Like even like even with Luke coming and taking a Jedi and leaving that had nothing to do with the Republic. So they don't know. Yeah, but when. Wouldn't they know? Wouldn't the New Republic know that Luke has a student? They might, but like they're not going to ask. Where'd you get it from? Oh, it was a it was a Imperial starship that I uh, that mm-hmm. I pretty much destroyed. There was a bunch of uh, a whole bunch of Mandalorians on there. I'm not going to ask any questions though. Like, yeah, not, that that's not a conversation that happened. Mm-mm. So Jaren returns to Pelly's hangar and tells her that he is impressed with the ship. Pelly is pleased with the performance of the J type pulse engines. Uh, she tells him that an old friend of his dropped by. Not trusting the person, Pelly had locked her out and engaged the hangar security system. When Jaren asks what her name was, they hear Fennec Shan's voice on the intercom. <laughs> Pelly is surprised, believing that the hangar system, uh, security system was activated. Shan uh, had scaled the hangar's wall and climbs down using several pieces of machinery. While Pelly is scolding her droids, Shan asks Jaren if he is looking for work. Jaren is interested, and Shan tosses him a bag of credits, saying that the pay is good. Uh, Jaren asks, uh, what's the bounty? Shan explains that Boba Fett would appreciate some muscle. Uh, no bounty, we just need muscle, and that Boba Fett would really appreciate it. Jaren looks at the bag, throws it back at Sh- Fennec Shan, and says, uh, tell Boba Fett this is on the house. Uh, he agrees to do the job after, uh, after visiting a little friend. Cut to mm-hmm. black. Wow. Wow. So cue the uh, predictions. And I think you might guess which my, what my prediction is going to be for next week. Yeah, you're going to see Luke. And Grogu. Yeah, I hope so. Do you think it's going to be like the whole episode or part of it? I mean, this is the penultimate episode, so... We need to get some sort of Boba Fett next week as well. Uh, I I agree. I think that we might even omit seeing Grogu and Luke all together and instead focus on Boba, Boba Fett. I think they might tease us with that. Mm. I think we might get it later on, but I don't think the next episode is going to be that payoff. I think and then maybe the finale? Possibly, I don't know. Probably not the finale either. If I were them, okay. it would be the episode right before the finale. We would get more teasers of Luke and Grogu, but not the whole pie. I'm just gonna give you a slice, <laughs> right? Because people like it, it's just gonna be like edging. It's just gonna be we're gonna we're gonna tease you. We want because we we're gonna give you a taste so that you mm. keep coming back. All right. Well, hey, you know what happens though if Luke and Grogu do show up, you open it. Third beer? A third beer. <laughs> oh, boy. 
Uh, but no, if if it's not this season, it's probably going to be Mando season three. Yeah. Um, which you know, if anyone's out there that doesn't want to watch this show, they need to at least watch this episode. Oh, and we completely skipped over uh, when Pelly asks uh, how he liked how Dinjarin liked the uh, the ship. He says, "Wizard," just like Anakin. Yep. Uh, and his friend. That's so wizard, Annie. Yep. Kit Stepanai, I believe his name was. Oh, so. boy. That's a whole thing. Boy. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Any more predictions. It's really hard to tell. Because these last couple episodes are going to be completely mind-blowing. Yeah, this whole, like, we are building up to something huge. Like, it's a really big deal that all of this is coming together in one one go. True, true. I'm a big fan so far. Yeah, me too. I mean, I'm probably going to freak out again at my phone next week when I'm watching it at 3 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) As one does. Yeah. Um, I think that's it. There was one piece of news I completely forgot about. Um... So, the Droid Depot in Galaxy's Edge has brought back their boxes to fit the droids in. Oh, good. Um, and there's a new lightsaber out at Doc Ondar's. Ooh, what it is, is it? The Darth, it's the Darth Maul Shadow Collection. Ooh. So, you got the five syndicate symbols on the case. Ooh. I like that. So, if you guys are interested, go pick that up. And send us an email with a review or something. Um, speaking of reviews, did you see that video I sent you on the $25,000 R2-D2? Yes. <laughs> you think it's worth it? No, don't do it. No. <laughs> no. I I mean, there's a, you could do a lot more with a droid like that for less than $25,000. You could buy a boat with $25,000. I mean, I'm saying you could build one for $5,000 and have it do more bells and whistles. Yeah, you could commission a guy. You could pay a guy five thousand, and yeah, for him to build you the five thousand, and you would still right. make money off the deal. Right, and then you could, um, and then you would have the uh, the uh, holographic projection. Yeah, which is so dumb that Disney doesn't have that on theirs. What got me was the fact that you couldn't even drive the droid unless you took the restraining bolt, or no, unless you put the restraining bolt on. Shouldn't that be just the opposite? Yeah, that should be the opposite. That's not how that works. Yeah. So, but yeah, mm, not worth it. It's worth to see him every now and then. <laughs> mm. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to chat with us, we have a Facebook page at Special Unit 352, and our Instagram and Twitter are at SU352Podcast. Hey, Peyton, what is our email address? Our email address is specialunit352 at gmail.com. So please email us. If you like Zinjarin better or Boba Fett better, and what big, you know, why is this episode such a good episode to you? Please rate and review us on your favorite podcast listening app because that is how we will show up in the algorithms. And we look forward to talking with you guys next week. And as Peyton always says, may the folks be with you.